The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Amanda Hebas, a quiet night at the office, got the clinch, got the judo hip throw, threw it down, got the arm bar. Oh, that's it, that left hand, he was waiting. Oh my goodness. Wow. And with the legend George St. Pierre in his corner, Nazrat Hakparest delivers in a big way tonight. that from behind his knee look at that joe he dips and just throws <laughs> the right hook oh my goodness i mean it doesn't get any cleaner than that just keep climbing and getting that title shot that's what i'm here for to be the best and get that championship strap back welcome to ufc unfiltered please tell me that's on video i've never been happier I'm made for a fucking podcast. That's dangerous. Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Uh, once again, Matt is uh, out. Whenever I was out doing something that I wasn't put my parents would always say I was out gallivanting. Uh, Matt, Matt is gallivanting all over Abu Dhabi with uh, Dana and Dean Thomas, and he's got a nice. I'm jealous, though, because he gets like a nice week and a half vacation in a hotel suite. That's a pretty fun life. It is a pretty fun life. It's funny. When you said gallivanting, I just pictured him and Dean Tanis holding hands and skipping down the streets of Abu Dhabi. But that's just a weird visual now that I that's want exactly out what they my do. head. That is what they do. They gallivant. <laughs> they hold hands and they gallivant. Um, so thank you, uh, Phoenix. We have a good show today. Amanda Hibas. I don't. She might have been on once before. My memory is non-existent. Uh, Nazrat Hackbrast is on, and we also have uh, Cody Garbrandt, uh, which would be good to catch up with him and see what his plans are, because uh, it's been a while since we've had him on. I'm so impressed by how you said Nazrat's last name with such a flow, and and I was struggling. Oh, were you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, well, in the UFC, you have so many different fighters from so many different countries, and each country has a certain way of pronouncing. So it's very difficult to learn all the pronunciations. Once you know it, you know it. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, who didn't take at least two years to get Ioanni and Jaychik's name? Uh, I mean, they actually did a video where people were going around trying to say it. You know, the, the combination <laughs> of letters in a lot of names that you see in the UFC, you're just not used to seeing on it because yeah. you don't see them growing up. And so they're not, yeah. they're not common for you. It seriously me. looks like your last bowl of alphabet soup sometimes. You're like, what is it? Like, it took me Magomed Sharipov. I was so proud of myself when I got that one smooth. I was like, yes, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, uh, Nurmagomedov is, is not the easiest uh, 
And the first couple of times you tried to say it and who didn't say Khabib instead of Habib for a love. Mm -hmm. It's just, and then here's the problem. You'll hear Bruce Buffer says it one way. And then you'll hear, uh, you know, Paul Felder say it one way. And then you'll hear Joe say it. one. So it's like, everyone sounds like they know what they're talking about and they all have a slightly different. So sometimes you just don't know. Yeah. Um, Cause, cause Felder's from Philly and then, Rogan's from Boston and you know so I always asked the fighter when I was doing commentary I would have them I would make them record their name and try to break it down it's it's actually I give Annex so much credit the homework that he does and the things that he does and yeah it's definitely it's fun they're fun jobs but they're hard jobs they're very hard jobs and 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 I John Annex is is great and and I also give a lot of credit to Buffer Bruce Buffer is usually the one I'll defer to if I have to pick someone's pronunciation is like, which one will I, cause I, I haven't heard the fighter say it mm-hmm. because Bruce is saying it right in front of the fighter. And I never see them going, uh, who like <laughs> if you never see a fighter, look at Bruce and go, what the fuck are you talking? Then you'll know. But I usually yeah. Bruce buffer is the one I kind of figure, okay, Bruce is probably saying it correctly. What a weekend. I, I what incredible. A freaking weekend. I, I, where do we start, Jim? I mean, it, it, it was, uh, I mean, uh, watching Ponzinibbio, I mean, uh, no one predicted. I'm not surprised that Lee Zhiliang uh, uh, beat him, but I'm surprised he knocked him out in the first round. I mean, I mean, no one saw that coming. Uh, I don't know who his favorite in that fight, but uh, what, what a terrible uh, uh, thing for Ponzinibbio in his first fight back. Ponzinibbio was favored. If you were a person who bet on the underdogs for some parts of that card, you were a very happy person at the end of the night. I mean, one of Lee's, one of the things that impressed me so much about Lee is he threw the right and slipped his head out of line so that when he moved in for the hook, it was a hundred percent perfect. I mean, I feel bad for Ponzinibbio because of everything that he's gone through to get back. And then that's how he gets back. But Lee's stock certainly rose for sure. Yeah, he was, uh, I, again, I just, th- whoever, I there's no way I could have, I, I hate picking fights anyway. Um, but to have picked that, I, I would never have picked uh, uh, Alessio DiCirico, uh knocking out Joaquin. Buckley, yeah. Uh, with that beautiful head kick. I mean, I, I yeah. never would have uh, would have seen that. It's crazy, too, because the prelims were all uh, unanimous decisions, split decision. They were all decisions. And then... Uh, Man, as soon as you get to the, uh, it's it's all fucking uh, yeah. TKOs except for the main event, which is one of the best fights I've ever seen. It, you know, it's ABC, right? It's on ABC, yeah. and it happens to be a lot of knockouts via striking. And we know ABC's history with boxing, and arguably the best boxer in the UFC, we could say right now, is Max Holloway. It pulls off a main yeah. event like that. So I'm sure everybody at ABC was happy. Everybody at the UFC was happy. And I'm so curious to see how things went fight week with ABC being part of it. And then with the whole time change things for the fighters, you know, it is 10 p.m. for them in Abu Dhabi. And then the difference of how they've had to fight previously, we're doing at night for us. So I, I, I wonder how that worked for everybody. Now you would know, but I, I without because I'm too lazy to do the math. I'm thinking it's crazy that such a one-sided main event, and it was a complete domination by Holloway, but it was still a great fight because Cater is so tough, and Cater was landing his own punches. 
Um, and, and it wasn't for lack of effort. I mean, he just, you know, Max was just as good as he's ever looked. 50, yeah. 42, 50, 43. That, that is at least that's a couple of judges giving two 10, eight rounds and one judge giving three 10, eight rounds. Am I doing that math correctly? Um, I 50, thought 42. it was all, I thought it was all, yeah, I thought it was all eight. I thought it all it was all 10, eights. Well, f- no, it's uh 50, 43, 50, 43 and 50, 42. Okay. So uh, then, the, then yeah, yeah, you're I, right then. I think it's two ten eights and then three for the one judge. Yeah. Cause I think if it was uh, all five, it would have been 50, 40, 40, 50, um, 40, but it, it's, it's just the stats alone with max and his volume. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I, I wonder, I mean, just looking at his career at this point, I give Max all the credit in the world, but there was a second I sat back and was like, well, how good is Dustin Poirier? Because if you look back at the Holloway fight and the Dustin Poirier fight and the matchup and the way both of those two fight, I mean, yeah, I know Max did go up. Yeah, It's just still gets me more excited for Poirier Connor. It, it is interesting. How much did going up hurt him though? What was it a matter of going up? Um, and, and the Volkanovski fights, you know, I felt terrible for, I thought absolutely Max won that last fight. Second That's, one, yeah. I even, again, and, I, and I'm going by my memory of the emotion, but I remember thinking Max should have got the nod in the first one, but maybe I'm wrong about that. I'll, I'll, I should rewatch that first fight. But in the second one, I absolutely thought Holloway yeah. won that fight. And uh, I, I think he's definitely the best featherweight in the world. I don't think there's anyone better uh, in that weight. And he will absolutely be fighting for the belt again. He has to. He absolutely has to, although maybe not against, uh, would it be against Volkanovsky? I don't know. I don't know if they want a third matchup. I don't think anybody would be mad at a third matchup, but I feel like we are excited to see what Ortega can do with Volkanovsky now that we have this new resurrected Ortega because he was so impressive. And I still, him against Max, you know, you still, there was such a divide with that first fight that we don't know if that's, they're even close to the same level, even though Ortega has elevated to such a level. There's still so many questions there. But what impressed me most about Max was his intention. It was like, okay, the belt, not the belt, but my intention is to have these amazing fights and that's part of my legacy. So I don't, you know, we just see Max Holloway on a card and we get excited. I feel like that's a big part of what his legacy is now. And when something like this happens, like when UFC does uh, a, a free TV. I'm always happy for the organization when it's this good. Uh, when every fight, because I know that non-fight fans are watching this or guys who are just kind of, hey, let me see what UFC is. And there's no way you can't get hooked watching this many TKOs and watching a main event like that. Uh, just, it's impossible to not get into the sport. So um, I'm, I was happy. It was, it was an amazing night. And uh, Holloway, I, he's never looked better. It's, it's crazy how he's never looked better than he did on Saturday night. Well, I just found out we have somebody who is on the rise in yes. the waiting room. Yes, let's bring her in. Amanda Hibas um, is, is fighting uh, Marina Rodriguez this Saturday. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. Saturday, January 23rd. We have a, a card uh, this Wednesday. Uh, it is this Saturday, the 23rd, right? Yeah. Yes, th- I am correct. This Saturday, Wednesday is the... Uh, is, uh, Wednesday's Neil Magny. Kiesa, yeah, yeah. Kiesa, and then the 23rd is... Kind of We're pretty, yeah. See. Yep, 257. Hi, Amanda. How are you? 
Hello, I'm good. So you're uh, in Abu Dhabi now? Yes. And uh, have you been before? You've, you've been, this is not your first time in Fight Island. No, no, I, I fought the last time here against Paige Van Zandt. Was the Mash Vidal card was amazing. I have to ask you, Amanda, have you stayed away from the amazing chocolates that are in your room? And how oh, have you done goodness. it? Oh my goodness. It's hard, but <laughs> sometimes I look at my Nutella here. I don't know if you're seeing. <laughs> I always bring with me because I need to put some a small piece. You can see like that before yeah. I go to take my my rest of my I cut my weight. I put a, a little bit in my mouth and me. Yes, now I can go. <laughs> Doesn't that make it harder though? Like I, if, if I'm trying to do something with weight or lose weight, uh -huh. like if I taste it, it just it sends me on a bender. How do you just eat a little bit? Doesn't that, I would think that would make it harder. It's because it's glycose. Uh, uh, in Portuguese, we say glycose. When you put this in your mouth, it's like a little sugar. So you have fast energy. So this fast energy, I make me do exercise or make me sweaty. Yeah. And the, the fact that I'm comparing my elliptical workout to a world-class <laughs> athlete and asking how you do it is I, I really, you should hit me for that. That was a stupid question. <laughs> Amanda, your laugh and your personality is so infectious, you know, and it's really oh. high and energetic. I know that you have a family full of fighters. What what makes you this way? Where does this sort of like fun, energetic personality come from? Uh, I think my dad is a little bit like that too, but he's a little cra crazy. <laughs> but I was not not like that when I think I was 14, 13. I was really annoying. But I started to live alone in a big city in Brazil to do judo. So I was, I lived with a lot of persons, people, fighters. And we learned that sometimes the, the some, it's not good you if you are bad or if you are mad or if, if you are sad. If you are still like that, the things just go worse. So... If I'm feeling pain on my finger, I will complain that you will happen. How will you get better if I just complain? No, put ice. Put ice. Yes, the ice is good. You are like cold, <laughs> but no, it's good. <laughs> I think Understandable. when you do that, yeah, I think when you do that, their life is better. So I learned. You do, you do have an amazing energy. Like, are you, are you a person like, are, are you good at concentrating or are you like always have to be moving? Sometimes when the coach, they try to show me some techniques and if it's a long technique, I catch me, look to the air. <laughs> <laughs> and the coach is, Amanda, Amanda, Amandinha, oh, minha querida, because yeah. they start to run. And me, oh, okay, I learned. <laughs> yeah, so it's about keeping that focus, keeping that yeah. focus. I, you know, it's got to be, hard especially when you have to keep focus for a fight and you've had so many different change-ups in the last couple of months and then leading to this fight so how has that been for you it was crazy because i supposed to fight first of all against carla esparza and then she said need more time and me okay and they still training 
and then the fight was for this year and change opponent. So for Carlos Paz, I was training really striking and wrestling, defense, the rest to take downs. And then I changed to Michelle Waterson, big fight too, supposed to fight against her, big fight. And I still train in wrestling and striking, but take downs to wrestling and get out to the kicks and then change it again. And I still training wrestling, take downs, doing take downs, try, try to get up to, to try to get out to kicks. And now get out the elbows and really good Muay Thai. So I think the the all camp was one getting better to another one. So they complete themselves. So for me, I think now I'm more completed athlete. Yeah, and Rodriguez is coming off a first loss uh, to Esparza. And uh, she's also, she's had two majority draws in the uh, in the UFC so far. So she goes the distance, uh, except for the contender series win. It seems like every fight in the UFC, she's gone the distance. So you expecting more of a patient uh, approach from her or what are you expecting from her? I expect a really tough girl because I know she is uh, not just a fighter, because there is some fighter when they lost, they are like head down and Ooh, I don't want this anymore. But she's a warrior. So I think she wants win to me. So I'm prepared for the best version of Marina ever. So I know she will try to kick me really hard. She will try to knock me down. So I am going to this fight really prepared. Yeah, well, she's coming coming off that first loss. It's always interesting to see how somebody responds. And your your only loss was uh, it was it was obviously a slip, and you were getting back up against uh, Pollyanna Vienna. Would you look at that and go like, you know, that was kind of what cost you the fight? Was that was that slip? It was just one of those crazy things that happened. No, I think that what caused that fight was Pollyanna was really focused in the strike when she saw my my what the name is Chin. Chin, Chin, yeah. yeah. When she saw my chin open and she just throw boom and she she finding my my chin and I knock it down. And that fight I learned it how sometimes we need to push to the ground, <laughs> not just stand up. And I learned it. I learned it. You seem like with your personality and with your energy, like you know, of course a, a loss is hard to take, but you seem like somebody who would rebound from something like that. Uh, with the right attitude, w w was it something really hard for you to come back from, or were you able just to kind of shrug it off and go, "All right, you know, she found my chin, and that's it." Yeah, I don't like it that taste the the lost the fight. You know, I don't like. I have my tape until today to that fight. I have because I need to remember because I don't like that taste. So for me, I lost in Saturday. Monday was training, and my dad said. He never see me on the fire in my eyes like that because I want to get better after that fight. And I saw that fight sometimes and I saw my fight in my last fight and I can see a big difference between me in that time and now. So for me, it's a pleasure to see this because it's my work. So it's good. Amanda, I, I really like listening to you. Jim and oh, I have, you. we have interviewed so many people over the years and I can tell somebody who's not just a fighter, but like a real martial artist. 
who who yeah. takes pride in adding things to their arsenal. So I think that is super cool. And the other thing is, I think you kind of have your head pretty well in the game. And I was listening to you in interviews saying that you want to steal the show on Saturday, that you know it's Dustin and Connor and you know you're on that card, but you want to make a name for yourself too. So tell me about being a star and what does that mean to you in your MMA career? I think when, because UFC, I think in my mind, UFC does doesn't want just a champ. They want a champ with the public public want to see. Because imagine, oh, who is the champ of this category? Hmm, I don't know. I don't want to be like that. I want to people know me and they know who is the champ. So for me, being star is together with be a good fighter. Mm -hmm. They need to walk together. And fighting this card is a huge opportunity that UFC gave to me. They gave it in my last fight because I fought in the card the, the Marshall Dow was mm -hmm. a big opportunity and now this opportunity too. So I will try to grab with my hands, my arms to <laughs> do a big show so the public can see me see my fight and like my fight like me and my sponsors too hey i'm here <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm not just one fighter i can say i can talk i can fight i can sell so this i want to do right i can sell yes i can, I can sell, sell. Yeah. It, it's it's really important because you, you have to be yourself but it is about getting people to watch the fights and sometimes if people love somebody or if people have strong feelings against them, they'll pay to watch them fight. I mean, that's, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's a lot true. of people hate Connor, but it doesn't matter. They'll pay to watch Connor because they want to see him lose or they'll pay to see him because they want to see him win. It doesn't matter. They're still paying. In the beginning, I didn't like Connor. Yes, I was to punch his face because he talked so much about Brazil, about uh, jo uh, Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo, yeah. So when me, oh my goodness, I hate this guy. But after the fight, he said, oh, he's a hero, he's a big guy. And we saw he's just to sell the fight. And he's not a bad person. So after that, I said, yes, he's a smart fighter. So it, this is good. I, I, I'm kind of the same way with Connor, although I didn't like him after the Aldo. I, I love Jose Aldo, and I flew to Vegas for that fight. And uh, it was 13 seconds. So, I, I mean, I was not pleased with that at all. But I, I liked Connor after he lost to Nate. When I saw how he handled the loss, um, I respected him a lot. Like, he, oh, yeah, he's a true fighter's mentality. And he gave it up to Nate Diaz. And, and that really made me like Connor was after that loss to Diaz. I saw how he handled it. And I'm like, no, I really like this guy now. Yeah, he's nice. And, you know, part of being a star is having those sort of amazing fights that people, their minds blown, sort of like what Holloway did this weekend. I know that you were interested in showcasing a little bit more of what you have in your toolbox with the striking. Can we expect to see more striking on Saturday? I hope so, because I think this fight against Marina, she's she has a really good strike. She's from Muay Thai. So mm -hmm. for me, if I showed, can show my strike against her, 
will be really get great because she's good on that. And I'm not jujitsu, just jujitsu girl, just judo girl. I am a fighter. So I want to show that. Yeah. Well, you're really, everyone is happy that you're back and everyone is happy that you're, uh, that you're fighting and you, and you're the, uh, the first fight on the, uh, on the main card. This yes, Saturday. I'm yeah. so excited for that. Really, really, really. And, and there's going to be fans there. Yes. And yeah. fans are going to be there. And fans. Are you happy about that? That the fans are starting to come back in? Imagine that. I, I fought in the first UFC without public, mm -hmm. without audience in Brasilia. And then I fought here uh, the first time in the UFC Fight Island. And now is not was not the first time with second. audience, but it's the second time with the no, third, third third time, time with the audience. <laughs> yeah. So I'm feeling like oh my goodness, I fought in everything. So it's good, it's good. I I'm trying to remember how is it the pool with the audience making noises, but it will be great. I I did some interview for uh, reporter reporters from here. And they said to me, they will be there. And I say to them, hey, clap the hands with me because I want to listen. <laughs> <laughs> and they said they will. You yeah. like the energy of the crowd. You, you, that, that, it really oh, does like something it. for you. Yeah. I like, I like when they scream for me. I like when they scream for another one. I don't care. I like the scream. <laughs> It's funny because the Paige Van Zandt fight was so interesting. Like People did think that you were going to win, but they didn't think you would win so easily. And I felt like that was one of the things that was really impressive. And then I thought, was it on your Instagram? Did you guys actually train together afterwards? This is crazy because the, my last camp, I did to fight against Paige. And now in this camp, she helped me. And it was so funny because I was in America top team and I was in the in the end of my train and she came in me. Oh my goodness, how this will be? Because I never talked to her. And I was imagining my, my I don't know, maybe she grabbed a bottle and throwing my head. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't do and obviously you're focused now on uh, only on Marina Rodriguez. But if yeah. if fight if it goes your way uh, on Saturday and 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 you get the win, you must be thinking of a possible next fight. Not that you're looking past this fight, but just strategically, uh, is there anybody who you think? Well, maybe if this works out next, would it be a, a, a Sparza or, or who who are you looking at that you think would be a, a good match for you if this goes well? Yes, I think if I. I do a really good fight against Marina and go to my arms to the top. But really good fight. I think I can go to top five and fight against someone there. I hope Sparza. <laughs> Sparza? Hey, don't go to the belt until you fight without me. <laughs> I want to fight with you before that. Because what I is it about Asparza? What, what is it about her that you want to match up? It's because I saw in some interviews she's supposed to fight for the belt sometimes. So I don't know what they they put her name there. And I want that too. I, I want to fight against her because I think it's a huge name for me. She's top four, I think. And this will be good. But everything depends to this fight against Marina. She's number eight. 
Yeah. So it was a big fight for me. Yeah. Esparza, when you look at the top, uh, you know, uh, 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 Wiley uh, Zhang is fighting uh, Rose and mm -hmm. Rose has beaten Joanna twice. So if Rose wins the belt, would they put Yunjaychek uh, against her right away? Probably not because they've already fought twice. Um, but if, if Wiley wins, then maybe her and, and, and uh, you want to have a rematch because that, that was such I mean, an incredible first fight they had. So I guess it depends on who wins the belt too. Yes, that's true. That's true. There's just a lot of fun matchups now in that yeah. division. you know. And I, I was around when women weren't in the UFC. So just to see that, that like not only are we here, but we're killing it. And there's just so many good fights and so many good matchups. I just love having these conversations. So thanks, Amanda, for being yeah. a part of that. Yeah, thank, <laughs> thank you. you. Thank yeah. you. It's fun to, just, to make up fights Strong. you want to see, and hopefully yeah. they have. Hopefully they happen. Because <laughs> uh, UFC is pretty good at giving the fights that people want to see, though. You know, these fights tend to happen if enough people want them. Yeah, that's true. Strawweight division is... You know, there is a lot of tough girls. I think every the top 15 is good. You can see if someone there is not good. Because I think, and I saw in another uh, weight class, the girls, well, someone is really good, another one is another level, but in strawweight division, or? Yeah. You see everybody's like almost. Who's who's a who's a, a a harder fight to figure out? Is Michelle with the karate, or is it maybe Carla with a wrestling pedigree? And who's kind of a bigger puzzle? I think for me, everyone has a big point. Like I don't know, Carla, I need to be careful for her takedowns. Michelle, I need to be careful for kicks because she kicks a lot. So I think. In every fight, I need to be scared for, for one thing. One of not a lot of things. So I I don't know how, which one is worse for me because if I fight against Carla, this will be good. Bad. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot there. We're looking forward yeah. to this fight with Marina, though. That, and I do want to see that stand-up battle. But any way it goes, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. So how you have you worked a lot of clinch? Have you been at work in? I mean, you have a judo background, so did you find the clinch easy to to learn? Yeah. yeah. It's because I did that a lot in my gym, and my gym was there was uh, girls who was from white Thai too, in America top team too. There was the girls from my time from Oland, Oland, yeah, Oland. So I trained it hard. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. The Dutch, Dutch Holland, the Dutch Muay Thai is very, very yeah. galore. Kickboxing too. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Yeah, it's good talking to you, Amanda. I'm happy that you're fighting. Uh, this it's an incredible card, and uh, you know everyone is happy. Everyone is psyched to see you fighting again. So, uh, yeah. we're, congrats on getting on the card, and we'll hopefully talk to you after. Oh, congrats. thank you, thank you. I really appreciate that because you know what? I like to talk, but <laughs> just a second. <laughs> in, in the beginning, when I when I before I did my first fight in the UFC, my debut fight, I was talking to my dad, 
Hey, Dad, how will you sell the fight? Because this is hard, né? I don't know how to do trash talk. I don't do a lot of sexy pictures. <laughs> so how will you sell the fight? And we was thinking it and figuring out nothing. And then the people liked my voice, liked my, my I don't know what I talk. It's good, Dad. And when you guys say that it's good to do interview with me, I'm, I appreciate, really. Thank you. Yeah, I would so much rather you be real than come up with some corny yeah. trash talk to say. Because when it naturally oh. happens, like, you know, Daniel Cormier is not a trash talker, but when right. him and John went at it, it that was hilarious. It may happen someday. And if it happens naturally, that's the best. That's the best. That's true. And people just like you because you're nice and you're 10 mm -hmm. and one. I mean, you know, obviously, I mean, you're kicking everybody's ass, too. That's another reason people enjoy watching you. You're yeah. winning, uh, and, and you're beating good people. I mean, you know, uh, uh, Marcos Dern. Vance, I mean, so you're actually, you know, people like watching you because you your fights are really good, too. So trash talk is great, uh, but you don't need it uh, for no. people who want to see you fight. Yeah. Like, look at Max Holloway and Frankie Edgar. Nicest guys right. in the world. Everybody loves them. So. Yeah, just be you. We like you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It's good. All right, all right Amanda. Uh, good luck on uh, on Saturday, and I'm sure we'll talk to you after, okay? Okay. Thank you. All right. Ciao. Great talking Bye, to you. Bye. All right, take care. Bye. Ciao. <laughs>Today's episode is brought to you by Devour, the official frozen meal of the UFC. They put big flavor first with premium meats, creamy sauces, and gooey cheeses. How good does this sound, Matt? Check out their buffalo chicken mac and cheese the next time you're in the freezer aisle. Mm. It's in a spicy buffalo cheddar cheese sauce that'll knock your socks off. Mm. Or how about their loaded potatoes with Angus beef and bacon? God, that sounds good. It's, you guessed it, loaded with crispy bacon and delicious hunks of Angus beef. This sounds so good. Whatever you choose, Devour Meals is the new favorite frozen meal. I love Devour, Jimmy, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get nuts with the meals, Jimmy. Devour Meals, the official frozen meal of the UFC. This episode of UFC Unfiltered is brought to you by P3, the official protein snack of the UFC. P3 portable protein packs are a savory and crunchy combination of three dynamic sources of protein from meat, cheese, and nuts. Each P3 pack contains up to 13 grams of protein, and they come in great tasting combinations like turkey, almond, and Colby Jack. P3, three dynamic ways to fuel your day with protein-packed meat, cheese, and nuts, because three is better than one. you hear us, sir? Yes, now I can hear you, yeah. Okay, Greg, so I always feel like whenever some, we've watched fighters connecting and sometimes they don't realize they're on camera, so I always feel like I'm spying on somebody. So, all right, I'm, I'm <laughs> no, happy, don't worry. That, happy that you're here. <laughs> so Phoenix was just mentioning when you came in, uh, Phoenix was mentioning to me, uh, one of the reasons you started fighting was because I think you were 14 and you, you were overweight. And, and yes. were, were you just, uh, were, you, were you built stocky? Or were you just eating terribly or what was going on? To be honest, I think I was eating terribly. I, I was young, I was eating everything, everything what was on the table, and never moved, you know, and then I got very big. That's it. That's the story. And your dad uh, said, hey, this will be good for you? Yeah, my mom and dad, they actually tried a few things. They sent me to soccer, 
And in the soccer team, they just use me as a goalkeeper, so I then lost weight, you know. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, they want you to be bigger, right? So you can block the I ball. Just going block here. the ball. <laughs> and I was a, I was a very bad goalkeeper, and then I changed the sport. I tried to. The only thing what uh, start losing uh, where I start losing weight was uh, kickboxing MMA, and then I stick to it. Did you like soccer? Like, because I, I I typically hate running around. Like, did you like the idea of exercise once you started it, or did you have to find something that you loved before you liked it? And fighting is what you took to. No, to be honest, the first day of uh, my training, I loved it. I felt I felt in love with it. You know, the obsession. I, I felt a big passion, and uh, the the rest is history. You know, I stick to it, and then I had like my summer holidays, like six. Uh, six months was holidays and I was training like two times a day. I lost a lot of weight during that time. And a lot of guys who went for vacation, like my training partners, they came back after uh, six months or three months. They came back. I lost already like 40 pounds and they were all surprised. Wow. Uh, are, is food a hard one for you? For, cause for some guys, they're okay eating healthy. It's, I find it very difficult just as a person. Um, is it hard for you to lay off the bad stuff or are you good at being disciplined? Right now, I don't care. I don't even care, you know. I just want to hit the scale, make weight. And at that point, like, food is not very important. Like, the temptation of food is not uh, as big as the temptation for winning or for success, you know. So uh, it's not very hard anymore. Yeah. Do you, do you have one of those? I, I, it's funny. I, I think Cormier is the first guy I heard talk about it, those portable saunas that guys use. Uh, do you have one of those where, where they're in the room and you're just kind of, it's like you're sitting with this, like, I guess yeah, it's uh, very good. UFC gets us uh, like for my last fight. I fought in Vegas during the pandemic and we everybody had their own workout room and we everybody got their own portable sauna. It's a very good thing. It actually did help. Yeah, it helps. Yeah. It's very so good. are you used to the ritual now of traveling uh, overseas now in the pandemic and the whole, you know, uh, getting tested and the, uh, you know, quarantine and all that? Uh, you've kind of just kind of you're, you're into that system and you're kind of comfortable doing it that way. at this Yeah, point. right now I'm very comfortable with it because my friends, they set up a very good training camp. As I tablas, they set up a very good training camp in Morocco. We had everything what you need. We brought in guys and uh, we had a great training camp. So for us, it didn't make a big difference. Faraz is like a genius. He really, yeah. he he really is good at not just um, figuring out your opponents, but sort of scheduling your training program. Can you talk a little bit about like how how Faraz takes you through a training camp? I swear, Faraz is the definition of a genius. This guy is crazy. Like he's read he read thousands of books. He's listening twenty four seven to this uh, audio books. This guy is so smart. He just loves knowledge, you know, and uh, Every time I ask him, he has a good he has a good answer. Sometimes I ask him like two, three times, like after in this position, what can I do? And if he tries to block this, this he always have an answer. You know, so I feel very comfortable with him. And uh, sometimes I'm a guy like I, I like to train as much as my body breaks body, body breaks down. You know, and he's like, hey, Nasser, we need to schedule like this or hey, the weight cut or your weight. He knows everything. Like he's not just a coach who knows about kickboxing or just about jiu-jitsu. Every time I have a question, oh, doesn't matter weight cut recovery. He always knows what to, how to schedule my training, and uh, I feel very, very good since I'm with him. And yeah, he's amazing. And can you talk about the emo? You said something interesting about after after the Dober fight about you felt that that was you were immature there, or the emotion had affected you somehow. How how had it helped you, and how did it hurt you in that fight? Usually, I'm a very calm and collected guy when I fight. I like to read my opponents, take my time, you know, 
adjust, adapt, and just read him, read his movements, read his length, strength, power, speed, and everything. And in a Doba fight, I didn't even talk about like read him before the game plan was simple. You know, the game plan was to two and a half minutes check him out, block everything because you know Doba is a power puncher, make him a little bit tired, and over time uh, uh, during the fight take over. You know, and I just went in. The game plan I had in my head just until I entered the cage. And then I was like, I want to kill him. I don't know why. Like, I, maybe I want to make a big statement. I want to knock him out. And I tried to knock him out. I was swinging wide. It's not my style, you know. It's not my real skill set. And I took a lot of lessons from this fight. And um, in my last fight, I, I tried to avoid these mistakes, you know. I think I matured during this one year, and this one fight with Dubai. I think I improved a lot also, like, mindset-wise, you know. Because I didn't get to show my real skill sets against Doba, that's why I was I was very mad, you know. But it's my own fault. If your emotions take over during a fight, it's the worst thing what can happen to you. Was it because you were? And again, I don't know what you said. You wanted to kill him, so I'm just. Was it? Was it because I think you were favored in that fight? Were you not expecting to be favored, and when they favored you, you wanted to prove something, or or was there something about him personally, or do you not know what it was? Of this. Not because of this. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe because it was the first time in Vegas, but usually I'm a guy not very impressed by, oh, he's a favorite. He's not against right. Tibor Guti. I was a minus 1000 favorite, but I don't care about favorite because against the Akisi, I was an underdog. You know, I beat him every round, I dominated him. It's not about this. I don't know. I think I just needed to make this experience on this day. You know, early in my career, I did it. I took my lessons and I learned from it. What have been some of the biggest lessons you've learned in your fight career? that you're really utilizing for this fight? My biggest uh, lesson, I think, just be cold-blooded, you know, patience and um, don't rush things. I think that's the key, you know, because I do all my hard work. I cannot do more than this. Like, I never skip training. I never cheat on my training. I never avoid sparring. I do everything what's in my power, you know. And if you know what that you didn't left any stone unturned, you know, that you have very, you have, have the best coaches. I did everything what's in my human power possible. You know, I have a lot of confidence. Now I just need to uh, don't rush, not be emotional and just the fight, just be cold-blooded, you know, and then I have 15 minutes, I have 15 minutes to either knock him out, submit him or win by points. And that's the goal. How much training did you, you get in with happening? Uh, Go ahead. Oh, Go ahead, Jim. Oh, no, that's okay. I was how much training did you get in with Usman? And, uh, and how was that compared to a normal day of training? And, and how did that come about? Was he somebody that you had wanted to train with before? Actually, we're both managed by Ali and we were in Vegas with the team. And uh, at the same time, uh, Ali Abdelaziz, our manager, he hooked up in like a two-week training camp for us there before we went to Morocco. He brought in uh, Usman, Gaethje, Sehul was uh, showing us a little bit of wrestling. And it was great training, you know. Kamal Usman is my set. He's a, he's a 170 champion. And he's an amazing guy, you know. It was. I took a lot of lessons. He's a great, great fighter and a great person, and uh, I enjoyed every minute of sparring with him. And what are you expecting out of uh, Sarukian on uh, on Saturday? Obviously, he's he's a wrestler, you know. Everybody knows he's a wrestler, but you never know. Sometimes maybe a stri striking improved during the last uh, six months a lot. He worked maybe on a lot on the striking, so I don't try to get uh, too confident uh, in his wrestling. We never know, you know. I just get in. And imagine as the best version of him possible, the best opponent I ever faced, you know, and um, I'm, I'm going to be ready for everything. Well, it's funny. You can't always tell. In that, and you're, you're right about that. Like, you know, I mean, who didn't expect uh, Covington or Usman to wrestle when they fought and, and, and the whole fight was standing up? It's crazy how sometimes you exactly. think you know what someone's going to do and they just don't do it. 
Exactly. You never know. Sometimes you think, oh, this guy's a wrestler. Maybe he was working with this very good strike coach like 24-7 on the striking and he, all of a sudden he become a kickboxer and you're not ready for it. So we try to cover everything, you know, and so we don't get surprised on fight night. Are you obsessed with uh, tape? Do you watch a lot of tape? Guys have different views about watching a lot of tape. Uh, they become overly prepared and they expect something someone did in another fight or do, do you watch none of it? To, to be honest, I just need to watch like a few minutes of his tape and then I kind of know how he moves. But my coaching staff, my big brother, Heiju and Firas Sahabi, they always break down my opponent like like the details of details, you know? So I le leave this thing to them. Freeze you up a little bit. It's mental. funny with with uh with like what we call sibling rivalry, right? You, there's always that competition between siblings. You guys actually get to spar and work with each other. So how how do you kind of keep a cool head when it's your own your own brother that you're working with? It's the best thing because he's with me twenty four seven. He exactly knows everything about me. Like he. He's also holding the best, he's the best pet work holder I've ever seen. You know, he's amazing. And he always comes up with new ideas. Hey, I, I watch your opponent. Let's do, let's try this, let's try this, let's try this. And it's working, inspiring like details. He's coaching me, for example. He says, hey, move this way for the right hook and it's landing, you know, and it's amazing because if he tells you something that's working, also it gives you a lot of confidence. And um, we're almost the same age. He's, a, he's one year older. So it's like uh, like we are almost twins. Like, you know, it's a very, very good uh, relationship and uh, weight cut, everything. I tell him my weight, he knows, like, he knows everything. Like, it's me, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he so it's knows. It's an amazing sports team. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, it's I was the best gonna, thing. It's, it's one of those things because this particular weekend, there's going to be a lot of eyes on the fight. It's It's just, it's a great card. It's, you know, Conor McGregor and Dustin is the main event. I mean, how do you look at the exposure that you're going to get from this event? Do you just not want to think about it or do you actually feel like you could utilize it? To be honest, I'm over the overthinking. I'm not overthinking. I, I'm over this. Like when I fought Doba, I was also McGregor event, Cowboy War, huge T-Mobile Arena. Maybe I was impressed by this, maybe affected my performance. I don't know. But to this time, I don't even care. You know, I don't even care about me. I don't I just see my opponent. You know, it can be in the jungle in Brazil. I don't care. I just have this guy. On Saturday night, you know, in the in the octagon, and that's it. Like I really, really took these lessons from the Dover fight into my heart, not just in the back of my head. Oh yeah, I don't get impressed. I really feel like this. Not I just talk like this. I really feel like this, you know. So I think I don't care, you know. Five people watching, two thousand, twenty thousand, T-Mobile Arena, Etihad Arena, McGregor. I don't care, you know. I just go in, my best performance, focus, and that's it. Well, you are, and we always say it. Uh, I, I'm sure the fans are sick of me saying it, but uh, you are the uh, the main event of the prelims, which is uh, always a fight that they uh, expect to be a great fight uh, because, again, it motivates people to purchase the pay-per-view. So, I mean, there's no secret there. So they obviously have a lot of faith that this is going to be a good fight on a Saturday night. And thank you so much for joining us against Arman uh, uh, Sarukian on Saturday, uh, UFC 257. And I uh, can't wait to see your fight. Thank you, guys. All right, Nazareth. Nice Pleasure talking to you. Yeah, right. best of luck. All right, All right be Thank good. Thank you. Hi. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Cody, it's nice to see you. I don't know if you remember me. I haven't talked to you in a while. Oh, how have you been? Happy New Year's. I'm a happy New Year. I'm pretty good, you know, just chilling. Excited to see you back and healthy. Yeah, me too. It's been it's been a long time, but uh, you know, you go through those things in life, I guess, and you kind of you know either break you or make you stronger. So I definitely feel stronger from this. But man, it's been it's been hard being away for sure. Was your confidence uh, shaken at any point? And cause that last win for you was so good. I was so happy for you. Um, were you mentally, was it getting tough for you at a point um, after being undefeated and having a couple of rough fights? Yeah, you know what? The, the mental fortitude to be able to come back after, you know, a three-fight deficit be on top of the world, world champion started to set in. You know what I mean? I knew that this was not going to be a forever state of mode or living that I was going to be in. But for whatever reason, I had the insanity to remain doing the same shit, same mindset. Um, always come prepared, always come, you know, physically ready to fight. Um, I think the mental um, side of it, you know, I was going in there and trying to be maybe something that I wasn't, you know, I don't have to be angry. I have to be, you know, I love fighting. Fighting is a passion for me. I was like really kind of faking the funk for the longest time. And I think that a lot of the reason why my, my, my love and, passion for the sport was gone. I feel like I was going through the motions and I don't want to say it was because I was losing. I was prior to that. I kind of just was like, man, it just all oh, got another camp. Now I'm now like got excited for it. So I think that, you know, with those losses, it, it let me reevaluate where I wanted to do or what I wanted to do in the sport for the next, you know, five years, eight years, however long I have uh, in this, in this career. And it really let me sit back like, man, how bad do you want this? Do you want to keep going out there and fucking embarrassing yourself? Or do you want to go out there and be like, all right, you know, stick to the game plan, fight smart, not just go in there recklessly brawl and like, yeah, you get the punch, you get the punch. Um, I was kind of going into those fights like I remember just being backstage, like having a great camp, you know, and then being just backstage and just being feel like just exhausted. Like I didn't even want to warm up. They didn't want to go through like the – the pre-fight, you know, shake out and stuff like that. I just didn't just felt off rhythm. Just felt like I didn't want to be there. Um, I don't know why I lost that kind of um, passion for it, you know, and I feel like I've, at times in my life or through my career from amateur all the way up to, you know, where I'm at now, I've went into kind of those kind of things, but uh, not on this kind of level for being a world champion to that. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm thankful I had to go out and reinvent myself, not really reinvent, just kind of, you know, I'm a Ferrari. All I had to do is polish up the wheels and, you know, put a little shiny coat on it. Um, I feel like I was listening to a lot of other people, a lot of uh, other people try to infiltrate, you know, my thoughts or my, my, how I was supposed to live my life or what I was supposed to do, be doing on a daily day basis. And I'm always, I've always done my own thing. And I think that's what made me be very successful because I've just done my own thing and whether you like it or you don't, um, I'm happy with myself. So I feel like a lot of times I was listening to other people that I probably shouldn't have been, 
but you live and you learn. And then, you know, uh, making the huge, you know, you know, decision to go to Jersey was, was, was phenomenal. And the reason I'll, I'll, I'll bring that up early on in this conversation, I think that it was a new, it was a new place for me. It was a new kind of new fresh chapter. I got to work with coach Mark Henry, which I've, heard about him for for many years we were we record you every time we saw each other and that guy doesn't give out compliments you know i mean that's a you have to earn his trust or not his trust his respect and he's old and that's what i liked about him you know i i went out there and i worked my ass off i had new guys coming at me you know i was you know training hard you know like i always do but you have a, a certain stigma or thing to live up to like you're a former world champion like you're on a three-fight skid like what, what's going on? Like, and for me, I needed that, that just that new, new scenery, I would say, just kind of like see how bad I wanted. I was away from my, you know, comfort zone. I was out of my own bed, you know, out of, away from my son for the first time as long as, you know, I think a week before that was the longest I went without seeing him. It's out there for months on end, just, you know, learning the craft from coach Mark and Ricardo Almeida and Frankie Edgar, Eddie Alvarez, and I was still, you know, coming back here in between with, with my guys here. So it just worked out really well um, how everyone just kind of, you know, we got, in the, we got in a call and just said it straight. This is what I needed to do. And the number one thing that I, I fell in love with Coach Mark and his coaching and just his approach to the game, like he's a most the most competitive. He's, com- he's a competitor. He, want, he wants to win. Like he wants to win at all costs. Um, you know, what I fell in love with Coach about was, you know, one thing he did say, like, you know, he wants to win, he's a competitor, but it's his job is to get us, you know, is to get us home to our family, you know, and that's having a child. I think it kind of changed my whole thinking and, and, and just the way I looked at it, you know what I mean? Like, well, obviously want to be able to provide for my son, but I also want to be there for later on in the years. You see a lot of these guys that have, you know, you just saw that story or that came out with Spencer Fisher, you know, like with the CTE and the, and the head trauma and I want to support that, you know, we, we might take a lot of damage in the fight that people see, but you don't really see what leads up to the training. You know, we're literally beating the shit out of each other daily. You know what I mean? Sharpening our skills. And that's what you have to, you have to get your body ready to go in there physically fight, you know? Well, Cody, we started interrupting. We just talked about Max uh, Holloway not sparring. And, and, and that is when you heard that he hadn't like physically sparred before that, maybe to keep himself fresh, is that something you could ever see yourself doing? Cause you're at a point now where you're obviously such a, a, a great striker and you, you know, you're, you're, you're great in all aspects. So you're not a beginner. Is it one of those things where you could see yourself laying off the sparring or really cutting it down? Or are you always going to need it? That's funny. Me and Chris actually, uh, Holdsworth, um, he's one of my head MMA coaches and really good friend for quite some time now. We've, We've talked on that, you know, we, we've actually slowed down a lot of the sparring and we'll do more fight, um, fight specific technical sparring um, like that. We get our hard rounds in, you know, like at least once a week. Cause I mean, you have to, I, I, for me, I feel like you have to, it just makes me, you know, hungry, ready to fight. But in camp, I do that in camp. I, I, I brush, you know, some of the rust off outside of camp. I'm not sparring each week. Um, I actually just got back to sparring. Uh, the last two weeks since since July was last time I sparred, obviously because of COVID, and I had you know other stuff that that popped up from COVID. So I got back to sparring, felt great. I mean, I feel hungry. Uh, I think there's a there's a there's a push pull to, to do inside of sparring. I think a lot of these young fighters, even myself, uh, I think the sport's evolving so much that we're coming out with different things, different ways to train, different ways to get your body ready. We do fight sims, um, and I've been doing them for quite some time for for years now. Um, it's basically 
you know, you have a, a minute with a pad, uh, your pad coach, and then you have a guy on you trying to choke you out. So you're like, you're in MMA gloves and it's, and, you know, he comes in, tries to take you down and you're fighting defense and then you're going to ground and pound and you come back up to the mid. So it's that fight simulation. And we're doing that for five rounds, less stress. You're still taxing the body. You're still getting the heart rate up higher. It's, it's harder than actually sparring because you're fighting five guys at one time, you know, a minute here, a minute there, two minutes here, you're in bad positions. Um, so we'll do that towards like the end of the camp and the beginning of the camp, we kind of get the brunt of the sparring and then we get the technical aspect the last probably month just to sharpen the skills get the let the body kind of reset from that stress that you just put on it for the first four weeks or six weeks however long you're doing camps um i'll give myself at least a 10-week camp just in case you know sometimes the ufc might want to fly you out for a media day or you know you might something get you know sick or hurt or something happens so you might have probably four or five days in that whole 10-week camp that you might not be able to train the way you train. So you have to have, give the, give yourself ample amount of time to prepare your body for that and peak. Um, so yeah, definitely. We've, we've um, kind of slowed down sparring. I spar used to spar so much as a kid, you know, boxing. You know, I was, before I even knew how to hand wrap, you know, wrap my hands, I was sparring with professional fighters, you know, and uh, that's just what it was. You're, you're going to be tough. And you, so you have to learn that, you know, you either have been or you don't. So I think Max is, uh, Max looked great. And, and I think that you can do that at a point where he's at in his career. He knows how to fight. He's very skillful. He has his timing, his range. He's, you know, his fight IQ, um, the way he picks his shots. So I think at a point in your career, you can start easing back on sparring and doing more, you know, simulated fight fight techniques or, or conditioning shapes like that. And that's what we've been doing. And I've, I've been feeling great. Um, all last camp, um, I was in Jersey for a while. And then obviously the pandemic hit and I had a kidney infection in February that landed me in the hospital for seven days. And that was horrible. Got out of that. I uh, was on antibiotics for a long time. Came back to Ohio after I went to see a kidney um, specialist. Got a bunch of tests, blood work, just kept every, you know, two, three weeks checking my, you know, kidney levels and see what, how, where, where the levels were at. And, and, it, and it Was that fight cut related, Cody? Like what was the, what was the correlation with, was it fight cut related or hydration no, related? Nothing. I, I honestly, it came from cellulitis, I guess. That was what it was okay. the cause. And it attacked my, uh, I, I attacked my throat, which I had strep throat from it, which I didn't know. But I what is cellulitis? Throat. Is that, I don't know it's, what that is. It's a, it's a form of like staph basically. Oh, okay. But I didn't have <laughs> any cuts, any like infected hair, any like ringworm, anything, nothing. Like I had my shin was literally like a banana. I, but I, I was kicking really hard. Like I was sparring. So I just thought I kicked an elbow or a knee to where it was like two, three weeks. I would have to just put like a, a knee pad, tape a knee pad to my, my shin and then put my shin pad on and then spar. Or even when I grapple, I put two knee pads on my shin just because it was so, it was like a banana. It was so soft. For a long time, I just thought I, I kicked an elbow or kicked a knee. And until finally I was like out in Jersey and I go back to that, like you're at new, you're at new, a new camp. You're out of your comfort zone. I didn't want to look like a bitch. So every day after that, you know, I was feeling weak, worn down. Like my body was just like, man, this is fight camp. Or we're, we're, you know, we're training really hard, you know, um, to where it was like, after a couple of sessions with coach Mark, I was like, man, I feel horrible. He's like, man, you look great. Coach is very optimistic. He, he tells you how it is. If you look like shit, he's going to tell you you look like shit. You know, there's, he's black, it's black and white with him. No gray area. And uh, after one session, I, you know, I was, had this, the shin issue. And I started feeling just really like out of it's kind of loss of appetite, energy. And I was like, man, this kind of feel like I was fading when I was driving to, and I had to go to Ricardo's after we, I trained him at seven in the morning and then go to Ricardo's for jujitsu. 
And I was like, I called Ricardo. I was like, man, I don't, I'm not feeling good. So I ended up going, uh, going home and I kind of like, wasn't feeling the best kind of like out of body, almost like a lost appetite energy. And, um, then my glands were like super swollen and, and both of my, my lip noids and my, and my groin, wow. they're like 50 pin, 50, uh, cent piece sizes. So I was like, oh, that doesn't feel right. It was super sore to walk, touch. So I was like, I'm going to go to the hospital and get these checked out. Went to the hospital, got, got in there, was in there forever. got strep throat tests. I did the urine, you know, samples, blood tests. And three hours later, this, this doctor came in and it's like, Oh, here's a, a list of surgeons. You're gonna have to get your uh, lip noise removed. I'm like, that's it. Like there's, there's you I was like, I know my body, there's something going on. I'm like, like, yeah, I just, you know, call, this was on a Friday or Saturday, one of the, and I had Holdsworth coming in to train with me for the week. And uh, I was like, all right. I said, okay, well, that's fine. Like they gave me an IV and I kind of felt okay, kind of better. This is the second time I was in the hospital because I went to the hospital when I was in Ohio about 13, 14 days before that. Same thing. Like, oh, it was just like, a, just gave me an IV, a little bit antibiotics, put me on antibiotics for 10 days. And about two, three weeks later, it came back. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, I kind of told him that the rundown. I'm like, oh, you just you need to get your uh, your lymphoids removed. It's okay. So, and I'm going home. Drove drove home. It was like 20 minute drive. I felt worse. I felt the same. I thought I was gonna crash making it to the house. So I get there, and I'm like, oh man, this is this is horrible. This is this is not something's wrong. But I just went to the hospital, saw surgeons, um, doctors. Um, you know, infectious disease doctor, everything's fine. Like, I mean, you checked out good, you know, you know, and that's when COVID was going on. So they didn't want to really right. admit me or, yeah. or do anything. And it was a hot, a hot place in Jersey, you know, when it, where it hit in the beginning. So I go home, so I'm feeling horrible. And I'm not even home for an hour and I start pissing blood. And I was like, oh man. So I was like, yeah, just literally straight blood. And I was like, wow, this is, this is, this is not good. I'm like, well, I can sleep it off. You know, hopefully I can sleep it off. I'll wake up better. Like this, I just went and got checked. Everything's fine. As the night progressed, I just felt worse and worse and worse until it was probably like eight in the morning. I ended up having to like crawl down the stairs and like crawl. Like I couldn't drive. I got an Uber, went back to the hospital. And the same lady, the reception was at the, was at the front desk. And she's like, oh, what are you doing back? I'm like, look, I know there's something wrong with me. You know, she's like, oh, you don't look so good. I was like, white, she said. And I, and then they, they, they admitted me, put me into like a, a, a quarantine room for all these, I got all these tests done and ended up having uh, my, my levels of my, my kidney were just so like high, super high. They were asking like, you know, like all these kind of questions that like every two hours I had, you know, doctors coming in and surgeons and infectious disease doctors doing blood cultures. Like I, I did probably 20 or 25, you know, lab, lab draws. I was in there hooked up to penicillin. IV for seven days, couldn't move. Like, were you freaking out? Were you like, were you? I mean, how are you dealing with this emotionally, spiritually, knowing your body's your career? Like, I don't know how I would, how I would have such anxiety. You know, I was upset because I didn't want to have to pull out of the fight. Because so I knew I just needed, my soul needed to get inside the octagon. I needed to get in there and just fight. Because it was so long. Like we talked about earlier on, on on the podcast that going on that three flight skid, I'm like, I just need to get inside the octagon. Just open the doors, let me in that cage, you know, let me in the octagon and everything else will fall into place. Like, just let me get there. And I told Mark that, Coach Mark, you know, my mother, you know, my coaches out here, Ali, he's like, oh, what's going on? I'm like, I'm in the hospital, man. Like, there's, I'm, I'm gonna have to pull out of this fight. Like, let's, let's, I don't know how serious this is. And 
we didn't know the doctors didn't know i i mean i had a team full of doctors at, in, in jersey that were trying to figure this out what was going on and ended up you know being you know cellulitis infection that attacked you know got really bad took over my body basically and so the whole time was like yeah, i just need to get in there so i mean i mean that sucks i knew how hard i worked you know to get to this point i was what it was february so i was like maybe less than a month out from the fight and then i was in the hospital but then the covid you know the pandemic happened so they canceled the fight called off the events i was like all right so i was able to kind of have like a breath of fresh air like okay i can get my health corrected we'll figure out you know what's going on so i ended up going from jersey to ohio i went to the cleveland clinic and met with a you know a kidney disease or kidney doctor um, at the cleveland clinic wanted to do a couple procedures to see them more invasive they go in and cut the kidney and check it um so we did it we, we did our um but work he's like hey go back to california you know because i was out here in the pandemic we didn't know if the country was shutting down the flights were shutting down. i was already removed from my family for nearly three months so i wanted to go back i was missing my son a lot he will find a doctor out there and i flew back um i think i stayed in ohio for two weeks just to make sure because i was so weak it was hard to even like walk e i lost probably 13 pounds it, it was bad yeah i was like it, it was horrible uh, to say at least flew back started feeling better um started uh, I, I remember hitting dana up and seeing that's like a press release that he's gonna you know get looking the whole fights i'm like hey like i hit him up like you know him sean nick ali dana all you know the ufc guys i was like when when can I fight? When can I you know? And get, get, get yourself healed first. Get yourself taken care of. Um, so I went to my doctor, Doctor Jeffrey Hill, phenomenal doctor. He's been working on me for a few years. Um, he does a variety of of, of things, um, sometimes injections or you know you know stem cells, things like that. So he's like, you know, we're 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 gonna we're gonna find this for you. Found this an infectious disease doctor for me out there. I had to go and do blood cultures again to find what antibiotics, I've been on antibiotics now for, you know, this is three months, three months till I see this doctor. And he's like, you were on six different antibiotics and they didn't like, they didn't treat the one, they didn't test you for the one that you needed to kill this infection. So I had to go back and do a blood culture, um, you know, and, and do all that. I felt good, started training again. I started training in my business partner's house and uh, a gym garage everything was shut down i'm like dude like i started to get back in shape like i'm not losing everything that i just built for the past four or five months like i'm like you know give me a month to build back up and i'll be good and i hit my strength and conditioning coach up amadeo novella and he was like you know there's a park by my house and had a really nice hill we started doing hill sprints and footwork so we were just doing that for about a month and a half, I finally, you know, I was talking to Dana. He's like, hey, we're going to make it happen. You know, we'll, we'll make it happen. And I kept asking Sean. That was first they fought in Florida. And then, like, we're trying to figure it out where, where the fight's locations will be looking at June. I'm like, okay, June. So I got some of my guys that are in the UFC. I'm like, look, we have opportunity to still work and fight and train and proceed on with our life during this pandemic. If you guys want, let's get a small core group of guys in the gym if you don't feel good we'll check our temperatures you know if you're feeling sick you stay away you don't you know and and we did that we had emmett we had elkins we had feely um song um, i mean you know, there's some other guys that were like on the cuffs of making it to the ufc that would come and give us good sparring rounds and, and then i would work individually with my coaches so we did 
that camp. And about probably 15 days before I was fighting a sun salary schedule for June 6th, the infection came back. I couldn't walk on my foot. My glands were so swollen. And I was like, oh my gosh, I called my doctor. I'm like, doc, this is back. So I go do a blood culture and both arms. Then I end up having to go to a fusion center for 10 days straight. This is 20 days before, about 20, 15, 20 days before I fought Sun Tom. I had to go to a fusion center for 10 days straight and get hooked up to an IV and let the antibiotic drip into me for 10 days. And then I was on uh, the antibiotic for another five. So that's 15 days of antibiotic lead up to the fight, cutting the weight, beating my body up. And I'm just like, I just got to get inside the octagon. And I know I'm, I'm, I'm I just Wait, Cody, did, did it reinfect you? Did you get reinfected or had it, was it just kind of lurking in there and they had never totally gotten rid of it? Just never got rid of it. The, the people in, and I had doctors and surgeons and infectious disease doctors. And I was there for seven days in the hospital doing labs and tests. They did not find it. My doctor found it. And my doctor, Jeffrey Hill, and the infectious disease doctor I work with out here found it in two days what I needed to do. I had to go get an echo of my heart. I had to get a scan. I have um, a plate in my hand from breaking it. Um, echo of my heart, you know, because sometimes it, it, you know, the infections will hide in the valves of the heart or like old hardware, like um, blood blisters. You know, my feet were all, we, were, we trained barefoot. So, I mean, we're always getting, you know, our feet tore up, you know. So I had to, you know, it came back. It was going to come back from my feet somehow. Like, so I had to wear shoes the rest of the camp. Um, you know, that's annoying in itself just to, to wear shoes and grapple and do all that bullshit. So I went back to that um, fusion center for 10 days. And I was like, yeah, I was just like, I just need to get in there and fight. So the infection cleared up, felt fine. Um, you know, didn't feel like it affected me too much. You know what I mean? I just, I was at that uh, mental state of just getting inside that octagon um, performance. And I'm, um, thankful for what I had to go through just to get there because I feel like anything in my camp, like my past camps, anything's easy. It's not worth it. Like I like, something's wrong. Something's going to happen. Like shouldn't happen. So it's more of that. Or how bad do you want this? You know, how bad do you want to pick yourself up from, from really the bottom of the mountain when you're on the top to get back to the top? And, uh, you know, Sunset was a great opponent for me. Finally got in there. Everything was great. The walkout to the cage, you know, obviously it was different. There's no audience. It was a little, you know, different. But I, I grew up fighting in, you know, anywhere, <laughs> anywhere, you know. So it, wasn't, <laughs> it was nothing to me. I'm like, oh, like, it kind of felt old school. It was like, you know, like we're, we're coming from a small town in Yorkville, Ohio. And, um, I remember we have some rival schools that are kind of pretty close to us, literally just over a hill. So we'd wrestle or play football. And that week, you know, you would get, you know, see them at the mall or something. You'd be like, all right, we're going to meet at this place, this place. You know, they have a couple of their friends. You have a couple of your friends. You go meet up and you fight. That's what it kind of felt like. It was like old school, like an old school, like schoolyard fight kind of. Like, yeah. They got their friend. And it was cool. Like, I, I don't know. It was just like, uh, it took me back to being like a, a teenager, like, you know, the fight like that. So I just, was, I don't know. I was nervous, man. I was like, I was super nervous, like walking out to the lockdown. I haven't had those feelings for so long. And I was like, holy shit, man. Like, I'm fucking scared. Like scared, nervous, anxious, not knowing what's going to happen there, knowing that you trained your ass off to get here, but you're still in a fist fight and you're, and you're one, one punch away. That opponent lands one punch on you can go totally throw you off. You'd be an autopilot the rest of the fight. So you have to just, you know, stay on your P's and Q's, but it just felt so good being in there. I remember the first, you know, stepping on the octagon and getting the reads and, you know, and just, you know, just seeing everything. I'm just happy to be back. Then obviously, you know, uh, I got infected with COVID and I went right back to the gym on Monday after the win with Sun Sal. I think that what happened was I didn't let my body give enough rest, let it recover my immune system after, you know, before Christmas in 2019, I was training all the way up to, 
I went out and helped Frankie out in Jersey in July. You know, he had to return a favor for him. He, he was always there for me, Sly, and, and the guys out there. And I was back in the gym Monday. I was like, man, this is the first time I haven't been um, hurt in a fight since Takei Mizugaki. You know, Cruz, I tore my knee in. Um, you know, so at each fight, I was like, man, I had a long layoff. I had like nine, I had to do stem cell procedures. It takes eight to nine weeks to heal. Some ligaments torn in my, my forearm and my wrist and my hand. So I'm like, yeah, this feels great. Just went back, you know, let's, let's, let's grind. Let's go. It's going to be a big year. And then I obviously got infected with COVID really, really bad. Were, Cody, were you really sick? Like, cause yeah, people have different, um, they, they have different reactions to it. Some guys are a little asymptomatic. And I wanted to ask you about the mental fog that comes with that too. Like, like how bad was that? Because some people are affected by it and some don't. And how long after did you feel it? And kind of how did that affect you? Yeah, the mental fog was pretty, yeah, it just felt like I wasn't myself. You know, I should be on top of the world. Man, I got a beautiful young son. Just coming off a big win, you know, was getting ready to fight for a world title. You know, that was just announced. I was very excited for that, that challenge that presented itself, you know, to get back into a heavy camp. Um, The mental fog was tough. The first symptom that I had, which I didn't know was a symptom of COVID, was vertigo. I was so, so messed up with vertigo. And I had vertigo in the past, uh, uh, positional vertigo, uh, like eight years ago. So I thought I just came back. The crystal came out of the ear, had my equilibrium and balance turned off. And for a long time, it was probably about a month I was training like this to where it was like getting progressively worse. I was going to MMA. I had to stop sparring. Eventually I had to stop doing grappling because I was like, I would gra- it would it'd be fine for the first two rounds and like three, four, five. I would literally just be sitting there spinning. So I'd be holding someone's back or just being in a position where I wasn't getting choked out and just like having my eyes closed, like just, just riding this roller coaster, like waiting for this ride to stop. And I had to stop doing jujitsu and basically all MMA, I could do strength conditioning, which I couldn't even lay on my back to lift. I had to like modify that with my strength coach, which is great with working around stuff. I got into cycling pretty heavily. Um, that was probably my saving grace right there uh, to keep me in really good shape. I was riding, you know, like crazy almost every day with my buddy Vince Murdoch. He got me into it. Um, he 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 got into riding because he had to have uh, a surgery on his brain. Uh, so they said cardio would be the best thing for him, to, you know, to keep him healthy, keep him alive, basically. So we started cycling a lot. And the whole time while I had COVID, I didn't know. I'm like, man, cycling's hard as shit. Like, I'm hurting. Like, <laughs> and my lungs were messed up. But I didn't know I had all this because we were training outside. We had those fires. Our Air, and, air index quality was like horrible you know what i mean so we try to ride early in the morning like five six in the morning so it wasn't as bad when the, when it rolled back in it would get to like three four hundred index so i didn't know i had all these symptoms you know like um as far as that like that and i remember like feeling super fatigued like just you know telling danny i was like i just don't feel good you know like my i just don't feel like myself like i'm sorry if i'm kind of you know, not acting like myself. I'm, I don't feel like myself. And some days it would be okay. I'm like, oh, I feel pretty good. And I would go work out and then come home and I'm like, I'm dead. Like I have to literally, I, I'm, you know, nap or pause. And I'm talking about a nap. I'm talking like a four hour nap, like wake up and just feel horrible. So I have to cancel my next session. And I did that probably for a week. And I was like, guys, I'm just going to kind of lay off and see what's up. Then I went to, um, this is probably a month that I was doing this. I went down to Tyson's Ranch. We had uh, Smart Cups were sponsored by them. They're the first um, printed beverage, um, cut, uh, plant-based cup. And so I we went down there. We had to do a bunch of videos and photo shoots, you know, for, for our sponsorship with them, our partnership with them. And we all had to get COVID tests because Mike was in camp. He had his fight with Roy coming up. 
and um, I got tested and it was COVID positive. And that's probably the best that I felt like I didn't have the vertigo that night. Like every night I was having vertigo. I couldn't sleep. Like literally I would toss and turn and just feel like the drunk spins. Were you sleeping sitting up? Did that help at all? If you try to sleep sitting up when that happened? Yeah. Um, actually it was, uh, if I slept on my left side, I was good. But if I like rolled over, I mean, I was like vomiting. Like I would like literally I would go out and sleep with the bucket there. Cause I would visit get so sick. Um, then I had that. So I did a whole quarantine. I was probably quarantined for about 20 days. And then I was like, all right, you know, but the whole time I was just doing my own training. I was out on the bike, you know, I was out, there's no one. I was just riding the bike a lot and came back to the first day I hit pads with my coach, Michael Malott. Um, and my arm kind of felt a little weird. I was like, oh man, it's kind of a little tight. I was like, oh, maybe just uh, my arms always are tight just because, you know, hitting just the pads super hard. I was in really good shape. So I really didn't miss a beat. And I wake up like two, three in the morning, I excruciating pain. And I was like, oh, my brother was out here. I was like, hey man, like something's wrong with my arm. And my, like down by my elbow, it was like probably like this much, like expanded out. And I was like, oh man, I was looking up like, man, looks like I, like I blew my bicep out or something. So I went to my doctor the next day and I was like, hey, I don't think I can go to MMA practice. Do you have time to see me? I just need you to check this out. I got hill sprints at two. I can come right before. And I got like hit it off my side. I was like, I couldn't even like post my arm. My whole vein was like an electrical cord all the way up to my wrist. And I was like, damn, something's wrong. I was like, I know something's wrong. So I went there and he ultrasounded it and he misdiagnosed it. He thought I was a torn bicep, you know, a distal uh, bicep tear. So I was like, all right. He's like, you know, we're going to go get an MRI. Wasn't able to get the MRI until like Friday. It was like three days. And I finally went and got the MRI. And they're like, oh, nothing's torn. I'm like, oh, well, that's great. I said, what's going on? I said, but we are getting you into an urgent ultrasound. And they ultrasounded my my vein from my, you know, basically my neck all the way down to my wrist. And I tore my whole vein, ripped it in half, had three three blood clots in my arm. And they were like, dude, we need you to send me right to the hospital. I was at the, actually, actually at the Marshall Hospital here in Placerville. They rushed me over in, like to the next hospital shot me with um blood thinners on my thighs like for the next three days like you we need to get this. Like, if this breaks off and goes in your lungs you can die i didn't know how serious it was like obviously blood clots are the number one you know world's number one silent killer you know because you don't know you have them. i didn't know i had them i just thought it hurt so i've been on blood thinners ever since i tore my vein you know so i wasn't able to fight for the you know the flyweight title right i finally starting to feel better um it was probably about a month ago um, I started feeling better about a month. Uh, it's been a rough year, there. man. Wow. It's been a rough, hey, it's been a rough year. It ha- honestly has, but I feel like this, everything I went through mentally has put, got me ready for the next, you know, leg of my career. You know, I, I feel like, yeah. How, how so? Like what it, I mean, when you go through something where your health is in just such tremendous risk and you don't feel a hundred percent, you must have gone through a million things in your in your mind. You know, how, how is this prepping you for the future? Ah, just you know, just never never give up. I mean, it could be worse. I can you know, a lot of people are yeah. dying from this. You know, losing loved ones. You know, I just gotta you know sit back and just think that this is just gonna be a little downtime in my life where my health isn't as strong as it should be. I gotta focus on that. Learned a lot about my body this last year. Um, when to push, when to pull. Um, so I think that's going to help out, you know, looking at that, like help out 
for the longevity of my career moving forward. You know, um, I'm not the 22 year old kid that can, you know, those kids are, those kids are gangster, man, but it comes at a cost, you know, now, you know, you evolve, your body changes every five years, they, they say. So you have to adapt and, 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 you know, make your body, you know, different. So I'm just training different, you know, still training just as hard, um, doing different things, more working on mobility, you know, nutrition factor. I'm with Oregon and Trifecta and they have been great with just helping me, um, get me in the hands of, you know, nutritionists and, and supplemental um, advice that will help me out, you know, like I said, to have longevity, because that's what we want. You know, we don't want, it's, it's going to be a hard day to be able to have to walk away from fighting. You know, it's going to be it's horrible. I mean, you just are done. Within that whole time, you're sitting back, you're watching the division, you're seeing what's going on, you're taking a look at these matchups. You know, what were your thoughts like when I come back this is what I want to do this is who I want to go after because I know that you're known to have a hit list yes yeah yeah watching the fights man it was tough you know but there's a time in my life that I didn't even want to watch the fights but this time I was watching the fights you know all the UFC thought no okay I don't really care now I'm like I'm tuning in I'm watching I'm a student of the game again I feel like I'm more obsessed with this sport and evolving and becoming um the best fighter that I can be you know and doing I have high goals, you know, I have really lofty goals in this, in this sport. And I feel like you always have to be evolving, you know, the sport's growing so much. It's, it's crazy. And it, it's awesome. You know, look at, look at where it's at, you know, it's just, it was on ABC last week. It's awesome. You know, there's a few bigger views and just everything that can come with it, you know, and you're, you're one or two wins away from, you know, being able to change your life more and more. You know, you, you've seen that with a lot of fighters, you know, they win a few fights, win the title shot, and the next thing you know, they're on this, on that. And and obviously money was never my motivating factor, you know, um, being the best was, you know. I said I was going to be the best before I even knew what all entitled into being an MMA. I just boxed and wrestled. I didn't know about jujitsu and Muay Thai and all this other shit. I just wanted to be the best at it. Yes, and this is a very competitive question, but this weekend, Max Holloway was uh, said to be considered the best boxer in MMA at the current time based off of that performance. Would you agree, disagree, or what do you think about uh, him being called the best boxer in MMA? I mean, that's, yeah, he's got a lot of stuff that can back that up, you know, significant strikes landed. Um, I like Max. I think Max is um, that performance right there was one that was um, he needed, you know, coming after, you know, two losses to Volkanovski, which I think the last one was very, very close. I think that Max won that fight. But that just, you know, is the statement of how good he is. Uh, he, he can, who can ever, you know, can have the best boxer, um, you know. I'm looking to be the best in the world, you know. I mean, we're going to be the world champion. So they, they can have those boxing. I think he, he can get that. He's a great southpaw. He picks his shots really well. But what impressed me so much, a lot of the whole fight, I watched uh, clips of it, but I have to look back and study on it, is that Cater is so tough. Cater, his boxing, his boxing is really good. His boxing, the way pop shots moves out, it's just like we go back and saying, one shot, you know, that first round, man, Max kind of pulled it on. I can just really throw you off, and, and Cater's as tough as they come. But that, I don't think a lot of people know how tough like Cater is so tough. His skill level is so high. His boxing and, and Max went out there. And so, yeah, I, I would, you know, give him, give him the best boxer in, uh, in the UFC. Definitely significant strikes. And he's doing it right, man. He's, he's doing it right. I'm excited for him and his next fight and whoever they give him.
Well, Cody, you sound great. Um, we have to wrap up our show. We appreciate yeah. very much you coming on. It's always good talking to you, man. You are, you're always are so open. It's just an open book about what's going on. And no matter who you fight, I'm, I'm guessing uh, uh, Figueredo Moreno might be next for, for Figueredo, but uh, uh, Joe's Day or whoever they put you against, Let's we're go. really, really I'll, happy yeah. you're back. That's the fight. That's the fight. Yeah. Look, I had the title shot at Flyweight. Obviously, things happened. I was out of my control. I was supposed to fight him. He got two replacements already. Okay. I'm not going to sit and wait. They're going right. to fight in April. That's eight months. I'm not that dude. An inactive fight, that's how you kill your career. You know, Freddie Roach says that the best. Inactive fight, that's how you kill your career. Okay, I'm going to go. Why should I go? I already have a title shot at 25. Why did I go down and fight a number one contender shot? Jose Aldo, it's a legend. It's a former world champion. Yep. He's at my weight class now. Dude, that's a fight that gets me up. It gets me in wants to just go in there and train and fight a legend. And all due respect to him, but, um, you know, his time is, is up and mine is, you know, just getting there. So it's just a, a fight that keeps me you know, and good, sharp training for Figueredo or whoever wins. I think Figueredo will win, but all those is, is still as dangerous as they come, you know, and it's a, and it's a legend. I, have, I can put that in my cap, move on, go down the flyway and, and wait. So that's, that's what my eyes are on. So hopefully at the UFC, you know, we talk with Dan, we talk with Sean, all these, you know, communication with them. I think hopefully people can get behind that fight and really want to see that, you know, that main event, you know, prosper. Absolutely. So. Cody, thank you so much, man. That's the fight I would love to see as well. And uh, hopefully we'll talk to you right before that fight too. Yeah. It's, it's good to hear you. you. You you sound great, man. And we're happy that you're healthy and, and you're good ready to go. To yeah, thank you. Happy New All Year's. Right. Yeah, yeah, you too, Cody. Good talking to you, man. We'll talk again, okay? Yeah. All right, bye. Wow, yeah, what a rough year, man. He's such a he's such a, a good... I, I love that he goes into this detail about injuries and what's going on. And he just... He, he gives you everything you want to know. It's a really crazy. I do hope the Jose Aldo fight happens. Yeah, he has fought a legend in Dominic Cruz, and yeah. there's been that beef with Team Alpha Male since like the WEC days, which were super fun. So I think that's a great a great matchup for him as well. Thank you, Phoenix, for co-hosting today, and uh, thank you uh, to uh, Nazrat Hackbreast and as well as uh, Amanda Hibas for uh, joining us. And uh, what would you like to plug? Where can people see you? Uh, just hit me up on social media. I'm there. I've got a lot of new things in the works that I can't talk about, but we'll okay. see when they come up. <laughs> All right. Well, it's good talking to you, Phoenix, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk again very soon. Thanks, Jim. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Thanks for joining today. Bye, guys. Swing into Seaside Golf in Ocean City, Maryland. Play like a pro at 17 championship courses designed by golf legends like Jack Nicholas and Arthur Hills. Tee off on sweeping vistas at Eagles Landing. Savor the coastal views of Lighthouse Sound. Or see why Ocean City Golf Club is considered one of the Mid-Atlantic's finest fairways. Whether you're sneaking in a quick round on a family vacation or going all in on a golf getaway, fun is always in play at Ocean City, Maryland. Plan your trip at ococean.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.